welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Somaru. Hey everybody, this week I'm joined by Jean-Charles Samuelian Werth, and he is the co-founder and CEO of Allen, which I'm sure everybody that listens has heard of, and that is the healthcare super app offering personalized access to delightful health insurance coverage bundled with innovative healthcare services. So Alan covers more than 200,000 insured members in France, Spain, and Belgium, and the company has raised over 300 million euros from investors such as Index Ventures, and that's since its creation in 2016. John Charles is the author of Healthy Business, a book about company culture, which I'm sure we're going to get into today. And prior to Alan, John Charles co-founded Expulsiat, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, which has revolutionized aircraft seating for economy class. Interesting. That must be all about flow, which I'm going to get into. Uh, he holds an MSc in engineering from Ecole de Pont Paris Tech, an MBA from Collège. Oh, you're testing my French here. Honestly, John Charles. <laughs> Collège d'Ingénieur. Ingenieur. Yeah. Ah, of course. Collège d'Ingénieur. That makes a lot of sense. And is a member of the French Institute of I'm part Mauritian, so obviously a French-speaking, well, French Creole-speaking, and I should speak a lot more French than I do, so I apologise for butchering those uh, French words, but John Charles, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing? I'm really happy to be there, James. I'm really excited, in fact. Excellent, excellent. So whereabouts are you speaking to us from today? I'm speaking from Belgium. In fact, my wife is Belgian, so we spend part of our time in Brussels. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So the way that we start these podcasts, John Charles, is I get you to tell your story. Now, obviously, that uh, you, you've come a long way. You've done a lot of different things, different companies, different academic achievements, and now obviously co-founding what I think is fair to say one of the biggest, if not the biggest, in digital health and insurance in Europe, um, arguably the world. So I'm really interested to get into this with you, but it'd be great for our listeners and myself, in fact, if you could tell us a bit more about your story. Yeah, I would love to. Um, and I think my story and that everything leads in some ways to Alan, but um, I was born in Marseille in southeast of France to two French doctors and both psychiatrists. Uh, but my, my father was also a manager of all the psychiatry in the hospital of South of France board of the hospital committee. Um, and so I grew up surrounded by doctors, surrounded by hospital managers. And I always found that word very, very interesting because like you act on people's life, you you make a difference in their life. But on the other hand, I felt that it was very unstructured in the way it was managed, their time, uh, their tools. Like, And I was a massive geek. Uh, I learned uh, to build computer when I was, I don't know, nine or 10. Amazing. I, 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 I sold my first website when I was 13 to like someone I met on the forum. On the wow. internet. So it was kind of you magic. sold it at 13? Yeah. So legitimately um, I, an entrepreneur from 13, at least. <laughs> I would say I was lucky and I was kind of a geek, so I didn't get money for it. I get a video game console, uh, uh, which was really fun. It was the best Value. gift I could have for my work. Absolutely. And, and, and so I thought that being 12 or 13, I was already more educated technologically than most doctors I was interacting with. 
And I thought that there were a huge opportunity to do um, and to build something in healthcare. So that was something from my teenage years I knew I wanted to do, but I, I loved the web. So I just played and, and could build stuff uh, on the internet. And, and then I did some classical studies in France where you study mathematics and physics, and then you, you enter engineering school. Uh, and I was still building a lot of stuff and playing around without being really aware of uh, what you could do with that, but it was just really fun. And I think it taught me one thing, which is that you can learn whatever you want. You should be inten intentional about learning. It's not like waiting for school or university to teach you what, what you should be on, on which, who you should be. It's about yourself deciding what you want to build. And in fact, there is so much knowledge out there, so, ma so many people ready to help you. Um, that it's amazing. I, I think I got also my entrepreneurial fiber uh, through the father of one of my best friends. Um, when we were teenagers and when we were 14, we were already pitching in like business plans and, and, and stuff. So we, I, I remember one of the first pitch was a video game um, streaming and, and betting platform uh, that we didn't manage to build. But I think like what some of shame. the trends today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What a shame. Um, but that, that was the kind of thing we, we were doing. And, and that was really fun. And once in engineering school, I was starting to, to try to, uh, in engineering university, I was try, trying to focus on healthcare and, but more on the investment side to see how you, what were the economics of a clinical group of a, a small pharma company. So I did some M&A, some, some uh, private equity as intern, knowing I would be an entrepreneur. But as I had a very technical and engineering background, I, I wanted to understand both sides uh, before creating something. And in fact, one of my very smart friends, uh, as I was working on my healthcare uh, ID, came and told me about aerospace and and the fact that when you fly in economic class, the experience is really bad. And that was true, I felt. Uh, and I always only fly in, in economic class. So my only experience was uh, it's bad every time, every single time. And so we started to, just for fun, and we, asked, we were still in our last year of university, to iterate on the idea of doing something new in aircraft seats. And we thought that we could divide by three or four the weight of an aircraft seat if you were using new technologies. And we managed to raise, I, I raised our first million euro um, even before we were graduated. People, business angels were willing to give us money for that idea. So we started that company and uh, it's explicit and we managed to build the lightest aircraft chair uh, in the world and it's now flying on many, many airlines all around the world. And it was fascinating because we, when you are 22 and building an aerospace company, people laugh at you, believe that you are totally nuts, that you're <laughs> stupid, that you're not, that it's not going to work. Like even building your manufacturing process, like it's really hard to find partners that are going to believe that you, you're going to do something that dis disruptive, disruptive in a very regulated industry. Mm -hmm. But one step at a time, we, we managed to do it. And it was really, really scrappy in many ways. We, when we wanted to test new materials, we, we purchased uh, oven and, and we did that in, in our kitchen almost. And we built ourselves the, the way to, 
to test how to if we were at 1000 degrees celsius or, or at 800 and so we almost um uh, put our co-working space in fire. Such things that were really, really fun about building a, an industrial company in a very regulated industry. But at some point, one, one of my grandfather got uh, really sick and he was diagnosed lung cancer. And I was very close to him. And I've been always very close to my grandparents on both sides. Uh, first, because I I come from an Armenian ascend and we lost every single couple of generations ago. So having that knowledge of rebuilding stuff and and on the French side, um, it was people that I find, my grandfather and my grandmother were people that were really smart and really knowledgeable on many things. So I love to spend time with them. And when he got sick uh, and we were experiencing and facing all the complexities of the healthcare system again on how to navigate, how to find the right expert. You need to use the right person to know what doctor to call to, to get access to the best hospital. And it found unfair. It felt that it hadn't evolved in terms of technology one, one bit. Uh, in terms of, I would say, citizen access to the system, it felt unpersonal. It felt very complex. Uh, it felt very opaque in, in terms of cost and access to care. And that, I think, was, I had a few nights where I didn't manage to sleep. I was just thinking about building an healthcare company. And so I I, I, I took the leap and I, I talked with my co-founder of my class company and, and told them I wanted to transition over time. And we had a lot of demand, so I was able to sell a big part of my shares in order to, to create Alan. And, and then I spent one year uh, thinking about how to approach healthcare. And we started with Charles, my, my co-founder of Alan, who was a friend for our, from our engineering university. And he was in Silicon Valley. He was working at, at Twitter at the time. And we started playing around with, with some ideas, first about prevention, doing a preventive care app. But after a few months, we felt that it would not work out because people would not purchase themselves a preventive app in terms of business model, even if we could build that amazing model. And the one paying for it would be likely insurance company. And we felt that in some ways, the technology and the access and the user experience of technological companies were, were not what we believed it should be. And so we decided to take the big, the big, big, uh, bet of building an insurance company from scratch. So we are connected with every stakeholders. We are the one who are the payer in the system and then adding those services about prevention, about accessing a better care. Um, and, and that's why we created Alan. We knew always that the long-term vision would be to build that healthcare super app, but we wanted to find the best way to start it. And it was not an easy way. Like, again, when we started pitching people about um, creating a health insurance company while there was no new health insurance company since 1986 in France, even before I was born. Um, and um, we, people were most people were thinking we were crazy, it was impossible. On the small subset where living, there was a huge need and we decided to, to go for it. And, and then we got the, the first insurance license in, in 30 years in France. It was really, really fun working out of our flat for the first year uh, and 
and being an insurance company that was uh, built in, not in a garage, but in a flat, I think was, was really, really interesting. And it has a lot of side stories. I had to, to become an actuary and pass my actuary diploma to be wow. able to be the CEO of an insurance company. So um, it was really an amazing journey where we, we were joined by the first amazing aligners who, uh, who built the company with us pretty early. Um, and yeah, on, on fast forward today, we we are more than 400 people. We cover more than 200,000 members. Uh, we plan to be a lot more at the end of the year in terms of member on scale. We are operating in three countries and we are starting to lay the foundations of that healthcare super app. What a story, man. I mean, there's so much I want to talk to you about here. And the, the, there's some kind of themes that are popping up for me. I mean, motivation is definitely one of them. I mean, going, you know, you can't sleep because you want to start a health tech company. You've, you've become an actuary just to be the CEO of an insurance company and raising money from the likes of Index, et cetera. This, I want to go right back to your background, first of all, though, because I want to mention something that you said because you talked about being intentional about what you're learning. And I think that is something that resonates with me so much from the way that I suppose I've tried to piece my career together as much as you can kind of plot something. I mean, I can only really plan sort of the next 12 months ahead, really, but still doing that very intentionally. It's funny, one of our sort of interns, I guess, was uh, asking me, they want to go off and, and get loads of experience before maybe coming back or maybe doing something different and, and completely up to them. And they're asking advice on to what I thought they should do. And I said something similar, which was to get experience across the board, but really have a goal in mind. And if the goal is to just learn as much as you can about the sector, which to be fair is a very good goal because you'll end up finding what you enjoy in that process, be intentional about that and actually put the work in to learn the sector bottom to top or top to bottom and you went top to bottom because you went i'm going to go in and learn what private equity do and all roads lead to private equity at some point and to learn how they think about sectors and markets is very macro then right the way down into startup land which again you've been involved in building companies from the ground floor up so you end up learning a heck of a lot about entrepreneurship a heck of a lot about how to get investment you end up building your contact you end up building all these different things and so that intention i think is extremely important and i think the other the, what that links to for me when you said that people look at you like you're nuts you're 22 building an aerospace company i think you were at the time yeah i've i've been in i've been in those shoes but it's funny because you do have you do actually have the experience you have actually been to all these different organizations you do genuinely have a view of macro markets from private equity as well as how to hire effectively and and launch a product and do a bit of PR marketing. Like you actually do. And I think being so intentional about setting your career up to favor entrepreneurship, I think was an, a really interesting move for you. To be fair, there are many, many things we didn't know how to do. We thought we could do it, <laughs> but we didn't know how to do them. But we we learned by doing. And our first hires, it was super hard to define oh, what was course. a good hiring process, how to select. Uh, press relationships were super hard. I remember meeting our first investors for my first company. I was like 
sweating, super stressed because it was a ex-CEO of one of the largest French company. And I was like, oh, what is going to think about us and, and stuff. And on the second meeting, you are less stressed. And like after hundreds of investors meeting node, like it's, you know, it's a chat and it's about <laughs> yourself. You don't even check their background, like... you just turn up. <laughs> <laughs> and And that's something that you really learn by doing like public yeah. speaking. Like I would, I was terrified by public speaking speaking at the beginning but that's a, a skill that you can learn and that you can de develop and and again going back to intentionality uh, and being conscious that it's easy for no one like people tend to only remember the beautiful story of the person that is successful and it seems everything has been easy every step when people tell story fits well together but in fact the reality of things is that you have a lot of failures, you receive a lot of no, like the number of people that didn't want to invest in, in my company is just far bigger than the number of people who wanted to invest. We just were lucky enough to have people who, who were willing to do it. So many of the product decisions we made at Explicit at Ireland ended up failing, but we learned from those and, yes. and we grew from it. And, and I do think that having as an objective to become the best in your category is really important, like being intentional in terms of learning and going very deep and know that you can learn anything. Like um, you're a doctor, like being a doctor is just, a, you're not like someone special with magic powers. Like you are someone who went through a specific curriculum, learned a lot of things, did a lot of trial and I hope not too many errors on people and, 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 and got there. And, and you can apply that for everything. But a lot of people get blocked because when you start learning, you, you're a noob. You, you don't know, like, everything is complex. You don't know. And you have that barrier of it's overwhelming. Why? When you pass that, and usually what is really surprising is that the amount of time that is needed to pass that first barrier is kind of a lot smaller than we expect. Like, you can start understanding a topic very deeply if you do only that after 10 days or two weeks, you start have, having a first understanding. And I saw a talk recently, that, 20, it's, 20 it's, hours, apparently, in the bit where you feel yeah. like a beginner, 20 hours. Yes, and that's amazing. And most people don't spend those 20 hours, likely, while if you spend them, it's just really great. So taking that risk on yourself uh, is really important, I think. Yeah, if, if there's something I want people to take away from this already, I think it is that you can learn anything you want, as you just said. I think giving people the belief and the confidence that you can learn anything you want, and frankly, to quote one of my friends from Liverpool, like all human knowledge is on YouTube. So, like, yeah, if you just, if you just put twenty, agree. if you just put twenty <laughs> hours of work into one specific topic on YouTube, the chances are you'll be through it. Although, probably twenty hours of actually doing rather than just watching. Um, the other thing I want to talk about to you in your background briefly before we move on to Alan and, and, and talk about that is influence as well. Surrounding yourself with people to give you a certain mindset. You talked about your parents who kind of immersed you within a sector and gave you a flavor and I suppose an interest in, a sec in the sector. And you also talked about your best friend's father as well, giving you that kind of influence from an entrepreneurship perspective. Do you think that people benefit from that influence, first of all? Do you think that should be something that people look to do if they're looking to 
either break a sect, you know, we talk about immersing yourself in a certain world or, or surrounding yourself with a certain mindset of people. Have you felt that on your journey? Do you, do you feel there's value in that? I think there is a lot of value indeed in trying to immerse yourself in something that is interesting. And there are many ways to do it. You can do that through watching YouTube videos. You can do that through reading. I love, I read a lot of books and articles all the time. I think it's a great way for me to understand stuff and to understand ideas and be creative. And you can be with people um, that are living it. One of my experiences, it's often less valuable to have people talk about their experience of something than seeing them doing it. Because in fact, people don't realize what makes them successful or what are the things. The reflective uh, element, yeah. Uh, Exactly. So what I love to do is shadowing people. Uh, and sometimes I do that with CEOs of other tech companies where I just follow them for a few days Interesting. Uh, just to see how they work. And for healthcare or like for an industry, like shadowing a doctor, like for a few days, if you manage to do that, you will learn more about the, their job and their daily life um, than like hours of hearing them telling you about their life. And and I do think that's something where you're intentional about learning. You should check all sources. And it's a combination of video, meeting people, talking about people, shadowing them, reading. And I think it's really important to find that balance and, again, being very intentional about it. Love it. So much value. Listeners of this podcast will know that I'm a huge fan of shadowing. It's the very first thing I did as a, as a junior doctor. I shadowed people in management because everyone was moaning about the managers, them and us, them and us. They do this. They see us as a number. They go home at five. And I was like, well, I need this information myself. So I just went and shadowed them and realized, hey, they're actually just normal people, partnered with one of them to start writing business cases. And that led me to where I am today, which huge huge fan of huge fan of shadowing. Actually, you can get the information yourself. Completely agree. And I love the idea of shadowing other ceos just shout peers shadowing each other to see what happens on the other side of the, the fence the water whatever you call it yeah great love it um let's talk about alan because the inception of alan is again a, a hitting a principle here that i think almost every single if not every single person that comes on this podcast has shared which is the just a a very very high motivation to start a company to solve a specific problem, a problem which you experienced as a family member to the point where you couldn't sleep, you just had to start a health tech company. Motivation, I think, is what not it helps in the inception of a company, but it also helps you run through the brick walls every day. It helps you when you you know hit the problems and in other sectors where you may think. Mm, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the financial returns, which is fine. I think here there's obviously a, a, a greater North Star here. There's something bigger than just the finances that's driving you. What do you think about, do you feel that motivation on the good days, the bad days? And talk to me a bit more about that motivation to start and then run and then continue running this company to, I imagine, solve a certain problem or you know the mission that you've got. I, I do think it, yeah, it's about uh, motivation and patience. If you're passionate about what you do, um, if you're on a mission, it's likely that nothing can stop you. It's just a matter of finding the way and being relentless Interesting, yeah. until you find the way. And yes, for me, I think it was a big driver because if you, like, I was dropping something that I knew that was kind of 
very hard still to build a, a aerospace company and there was still a lot to be done to, to become the biggest one but like where we knew the road to something where I didn't even know what I wanted to build in health but I knew it it was something in healthcare and that I think should be in your guts and you have entrepreneurs that are very different they are they look at the market, they find an opportunity, they think they will build a return and they, their patient grow as they build the thing. And that could happen as well. Um, I do think in the case of healthcare where the barrier of regulation is so high. So for us, it's, it's not like we decided to be an insurance company and then it was done. It's like mm. more than eight months of heavy regulatory work. We, we raised more than 12 million euro seed round before launching and in order, in order to do that, you need first to be really convinced, second to work very, very hard on it. Um, but you also need to have that that faith that the problem you are solving is so big and so important that it's worth uh, that investment. So I do think that if you build a healthcare company for the financial outcome, you are going to lose your member obsession or your like citizen obsession or people obsession that make you uh, be differentiated. And that's not a winning strategy. What I think is really hard, but really important, is to combine that member obsession uh, and knowing you want to do good for the world and have really a positive impact with a sustainable business model that is going to help you build a massive company. And for me, mm -hmm. the both are really important. It's like, I want to build one of the biggest companies in the world, but I, want, I, I do think it's very aligned if you build the biggest company in the world, it's because you have helped a tremendous amount of people in the world. And so it's make, but having it in, in the right order and not forgetting one or, or the other. The two are really mm -hmm. bundled and should talk to each other, I would say. Yeah, I like that. And that's sort of the, it's sort of the, the positive side of, I suppose, more conscientious capitalism. That's where it can work. If you're delivering lots of value, you're making money to deliver then more value. And that's where that system really works. And I like that. So the product then, or what Alan is, how do people know of Alan? What's people's experience of Alan? What's the product? What's the user journey, the customer journey? What makes Alan what it is? So what we have tried to do with Alan is, solving a few problems. First, healthcare is really expensive. It's more than 10% of the GDP. So when you spend that much money as a society, you, you need to have a great experience and outcome. The second thing is that it's very unpersonal. Like it's one size fits all. And we think it should change. It, you should, it should not be yourself trying to adapt to the complexities of, of the healthcare system. And I think it's kind of, even in universal models where in Europe we, we tend to have access to some kind of very free or cheap healthcare. Um, in fact, it's kind of unfair because the access to information, the access to the right care, the right doctor is some very often very unequal. And, and so the journey we have tried to build with Alan is to solve this problem. It's how you make healthcare more personal, meaning more preventive than curative, how you make it more personalized. Personal is like, how the, the system fits to me. Um, and how you make it more accessible. I can understand it. I bend the cost of healthcare and I uh, make it accessible for everyone. And so your journey is either you are self-employed and you can sign up to Alan, 
either it's your company, and in France, it's mostly distributed through companies uh, that Pixalan has the health insurance and healthcare partner. And so we cover all the employees. And then you have access of a service that you are going to be able to search like your coverage and know how much you're going to get reimbursed before doing your procedure. We have 85% of our reimbursements that are within one hour on your cash account. So it's just even wow. before like the cash is out, you, you get the cash back. And um, it's also a virtual clinic where we have GPs, pediatricians, nutritionists that help you navigate the system, answer your question, help you find the right next step for you. And we have we had a story last week of um, a parent that chatted with one of our pediatricians and the pediatrician detected that there was a big risk of uh, a bacteria for their kid and they sent them to the right blood parents was solved thanks to us. And that's the kind of story that we, we are very proud uh, when we can help people navigate the healthcare system. We, have, we are also about prevention. So you are going to get, like if you didn't go to the dentist for one year, you are going to get uh, the dentists around your office or around your place that are totally reimbursed and we help you book them. Uh, we do that for glasses, for, uh, for an optic checkup, for dermatology, for cancer. Um, so we help you be a lot more proactive. You can access also a lot of great content in the app that is personalized to who you are on, on your story. Um, and one of the massive investments we, we have just done is also around mental health, where we think it's a massive topic, especially after two years of COVID, where we, we are launching Alan Mind uh, that is going to help people in their daily routine to interact with our app, which is named Jour by Alan, um, to, to know about their mood, about how to be more positive and international, but also talk with therapists uh, and psychologists if they need to. So we try to be that very longitudinal uh, one-stop shop for healthcare. And, and I do think that companies know one one-stop shop partner for the health, which is about insurance, access of care, prevention of their employees, uh, mental health, but individuals also want that one-stop shop super app where they can interact with the whole healthcare system and that's uh, what we do. Yeah, what I've written down here is end-to-end. -end. And I think, again, we talk about this a fair amount with people. In healthcare, it's very, very, very difficult to solve a problem end-to-end -end for a customer. And in this case, a consumer, a patient, a person, frankly. But it seems that that's, that's what this does. It seems, you know, some words that you've mentioned, proactive, prevention, for me, it feels, you know, holistic. It feels very customer, consumer, patient, person centric. It seems that it's built around their needs. Personalized is another one. You talk about navigating the health system. So really kind of helping the individual with actually what their problem, because it's all well and good, you know, giving someone the best health care. But at the end of the day, if you don't make them feel good, which frankly is just making them feel like they can always speak to someone, like they, they do know the next step, that they have felt communicated to, that's really, you know, when there's a phrase that goes around, you know, good doctors can get away with murder. I mean, literally, they literally can, if because a good doctor is one that really can just make their patient feel good. But that's kind of the same. But it seems that that's where your effort is. It's around, obviously, you know, the top-notch healthcare, but actually 
a, a arguably proportionate or arguably disproportionate amount of effort spent on that consumer centric nature to the point where it does actually solve a problem end to end. My question here though, is that in order to do that, that is not straightforward. There are a lot of systems. There are a lot of organizations. There are a lot of individuals and people. There are a lot of computer systems that need to be interoperable. There is a heck of a lot of connective tissue needed to join those different components and to connect to each individual part, I imagine, can be tough. Practically speaking, when you're at the bottom of that mountain looking up, does that not seem too much of a big task? I mean, how did you, you know, they say eat the elephant, you know, how do you eat an elephant one mouthful at a time, right? How, how did you go about eating this elephant? That's what we find fascinating and exciting is that we have worked for the next century. So that's, <laughs> I think, a, a good thing because you know that it's not, we are not going to get bored uh, in a couple of years <laughs> to try to invent what we should do. Uh, we, we still have a lot on our plate. But then the question is like, from which, which side do you attack that mountain? Like, which uh, do you take the north, the south, the west side? <laughs> and, and, and for us, we really try to do it one step at a time. So when we launched five years ago, like we were just a health insurance company with one single product, no mobile app uh, for startups. And we did that. And Got we it. tried to bring the best experience uh, in order to do that. We knew we would do a lot more, but if we were not even able to do that, uh, people would not trust us to, to provide more services. And then we added more insurance product, health insurance product to cover every kind of companies from the small to the really big ones. To, to cover self-employed. Then we added telemedicine at a map, uh, which is that map of doctor where you know how much you're going to get reimbursed. And so for us, it was always grow through capillarity and try to, to build trust step after step. So doing our job extremely well, alleviating anxiety um, at every step of the process, removing the mental load around insurance, around healthcare. And that's what we did, but we started very small. And people for a long time thought Alan is the health insurance for startup. And that was fine. We knew, and it was written internally, that we were going to do a lot more, but we, we needed to take it step by step. And for us, the choice was to start with health insurance because it's connected to every stakeholder. What is really Beautiful reverse insurance is that you're connected to hospital, pharmacies, doctors, the end user, companies. And being at the center allow you to be kind of horizontal from the beginning. You interact at every step and then you can decide where you want to go really deep to be end-to-end. -end. And so we, we are not end-to-end -end on every journey. We just have a list of journey uh, that we are going to go end-to-end -end one after the other. And that I think is a good way because everybody's again very unique and so sometimes we we just help them as the best insurance company by making reimbursement on the flow very easy great reimbursement great user experience um, but many times we go a lot deeper in how we can help them and i think that that has been our approach and we do think the different flywheels we have that are going to help us keep growing is keep differentiating by adding new services that helps you better navigate the healthcare system that bring more value to you through our virtual clinic prevention and so on that I, I describe it. Also work on the cost of health. So our verticalization 
help you to have better outcome at a better cost, which is going to make health insurance more and more affordable and more, and more accessible because we are going to share that value uh, with our members. And if you do that combination of both, you become more and more differentiated and more and more competitive, yeah. which I think is the best way uh, to become bigger and bigger. And the bigger you are, the more leverage you have on the healthcare system to try to improve it. So that's how we think about, about Alan and building the company. And it certainly feels like at the moment, at, le- at least in three countries, you have that critical mass, right? You're sort of over the tipping point where now it becomes a bit easier because of the size, because of the scale. My final question before we start wrapping up was going to be about that scaling. And what have you learned about scaling a health tech company into three different countries? I think the major learning is about company culture and defining who you are, how you do things, and what kind of people do you want. And for us, we are a company that is member-obsessed, that believe in fearless ambition. As you said, the mountain is very big, so you need to be a bit crazy and think very long-term in order to achieve things. Believe in distributed ownership, which means giving a lot of power to people to make decisions. Uh, We are very non-pyramidal company. Um, believe in radical transparency internally and externally. Like when you build around healthcare, you want your members to trust you. So we are radically transparent with them on all our numbers, our margin, how we operate, but internally also radically transparent. Everybody knows everything and has access to everything, including the salary and equity of everyone. Um, And then it's having a growth mindset where we improve the way we work individually and as a group all the time. So for us, it's about that. And then it translates in every mechanism in the company, how you hire people, how you make them grow, uh, how you make decisions, how you communicate internally, how you can be totally distributed over Europe because we have a strong asynchronous written communication culture. But all those are consequences on that core culture that I think help us build such a, a company in such a sector. Awesome. Sean Charles, it's been a pleasure having you on. If uh, if people want to get in touch with you or to learn more about Alan, how can they find you and get in touch with you? So they can ping me on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Uh, I think it's pretty straightforward to, to find me. And I'm really happy to, to help and, and to discuss about Alan, discuss about our opportunities. We are hiring hundreds of people, discuss about integrations in terms of projects many many things are very exciting awesome as i say I, th- I think it's incredible what you guys are doing and obviously scaling to be one of the one of the biggest companies in health tech certainly i've known about you guys for a long while and been following what you do but yeah glad to have had you on and i think we need to get you back there's so much that i didn't manage to cover in this it's not enough time but uh i hope it's been useful for the listeners and yeah if you want to get in touch with john charles then by all means ping him on twitter or linkedin and we'll put the links to those in the description of this episode so john charles thank you have a good one thank you james i loved it hey everyone thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode remember to subscribe rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content 